The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. We've enjoyed bringing this show since 2005. Your host is Mari Frank, a local attorney since 1985. She's a certified information privacy professional and the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, Protecting Yourself with a Personal Privacy Audit, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. Mari's testified many times on privacy issues in Congress and the California Legislature. She served as a privacy expert for numerous court cases nationwide and at a White House press conference featured on C-SPAN. You may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, The O'Reilly Factor, and many more shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit kuci.org slash privacypiracy. Mari, what's our show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about augmented reality, and that is a big mouthful. So we're going to find out what that is. And we are welcoming back two wonderful guests that we've had on before, Mark Mao, and I'll tell you a little bit about him, and Sheila Pham. They're coming back again. They're privacy experts. And uh, Mark is a lawyer with Troutman Sanders, and his practice includes cybersecurity, information governance, privacy, and business litigation for that firm. And he focuses primarily on emerging technology companies with a particular interest in their intellectual privacy, intellectual property and privacy and cybersecurity needs. Uh, Mark has substantial experience advising and litigating on behalf of companies across a broad range of industries such as uh, enterprise software, database applications, e-commerce, everything there is to do. I could go on and on. And Sheila Pham is a lawyer in the firm San Francisco office right next door to him. Um, she's a certified information privacy professional in the United States, and her practice includes cybersecurity and information privacy and business litigation. And she's litigated state and set federal Cases involving data breach class actions and violations of federal data privacy statutes. She also has experience advising um, and being counsel to companies relating to the protection of information privacy, compliance, and data breach response. So they have just a tremendous amount of experience, and we're so glad that we're welcoming you back. Thank you, Mark and Sheila, for joining us again. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Yes, so thank you, Mark. Let's start out a little bit and just help my audience understand, really, what is augmented reality? Sheila? So augmented reality is essentially using um, what you can see in the real world and adding um, visual information and data on top of it. So what you see is a combination of um, what is actually happening plus virtual um, virtual information. So that's what you call that mixed reality? Is that the same thing? 
augmented reality yeah. and mixed reality yeah, are the it's same? Essentially the same, yes. Yeah. So, and then virtual reality is where where it's not real at all. You're not mixing at all. Is that right? Correct. So virtual reality is kind of more similar to those scenarios where, you, um, where you've seen, you know, those headsets you can put on and you're kind of placed into a completely alternate reality that is uh, completely digitized. Yeah. So can you give, I, I, I get the virtual reality stuff. I'm not quite sure I really know what augmented reality, can you give any examples of augmented reality? Yeah. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, the app Snapchat. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So Snapchat has several filters. Um, when you open the app, you can, um, you can see yourself in it. And they have these filters that have, you know, for example, like a flower crown or dog oh. ears. And so it kind of uses what you see in real life, which is your face. And it applies um, the virtual application of a flower crown or, you know, dog ears, dog nose. Uh, right. Kind of filters like that on top of it. Okay, yeah. My paralegal has done that for my dog. And, and how about, <laughs> is it also like when... Um, She'll take my picture and like put different hair on me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I get it. That's fun, actually. Uh, sometimes I can make myself look a lot younger and have a lot of different makeup on. So, yeah, I kind of like augmented reality. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, what are the privacy issues with that? Um, that people should be concerned about. You want to... Yeah, go ahead. All right, so some of the issues will probably be related to um, what kind of data is being collected. Mm. So um, when you're using um, apps similar to Pokemon Go or, or Yelp, Monocle, it's tracking what, uh, where you're going, uh, what places you're visiting. Uh, so there's a lot of location information that's being held within the app. Um, mm. There's likely information regarding, uh, you know, your your personally identifiable information. Yeah, kind of scenarios like that. So that's a big uh, concern about what might be collected by these companies and, um, you know, how long it's being retained, who are they sharing it with, what is it being used for, mm. are there any ways that the company is regulating, um, you know, inf- privacy of children. Right. Um, and perhaps who can access the data as well. Right. And I would even think, I, I don't know if this has come up, of even like... Um, defamation or putting someone in a false light or something when you augment things that aren't really there. I mean, that could mm-hmm. come up too, all sorts of torts, right? Crazy. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, Mark, Mark, what about the Internet of Things, and how is that related to augmented reality? Uh, well, I mean, there's, um, I don't know if there's a clear distinction, because really for uh, augmented reality to function well, there's probably going to be a lot of interplay, uh, you know, between the two technologies that would be, you know, categorized in those areas. Uh, and, and this is what I mean, right? So, as uh, Sheila was talking about, augmented reality deals with a lot of kind of um, uh, placement of content uh, and kind of like a visual overlay over the the, the real time experience and the, right. the real life real time visuals that you you're, you're experiencing right. Uh-huh. In order for um, in order for I guess a visual or video device in order to be able to input that you know to your eyes to your brain to your nervous system so that you know you kind of get those cues in real time it has to have a way of. Uh, interacting with the environment. Uh, it, it, in other words, as much as technology has very much improved, we're still very much in this kind of like uh, input-output, um, you know, kind of like um, uh, 
uh, in, in terms of devices, they still need an input in order for there to be an output. Right? So in other words, in order for this visual device to, to know when to serve, you know, a certain type of visual effect, right, uh, to overlay your, 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 your visual and your real experience, um, they need to interact with devices, uh, contraptions, components, uh, things that may give them cue as you're moving through the real world. Right. And that, that's actually ultimately what the Internet of Things is, right? It's, it's, a, it's a web created by connected things that are at various places and very points in your life and your, your daily world, right, that would give, uh, you know, cues, would interact with you or your other devices in certain ways, that serve data, you know, between devices, devices so that they know that you have a certain need that must be met with certain criteria, uh, you know, happen, right? And, yeah. and one of those things that, that might be a cue or a criteria would be, hey, you know, Mark is walking in here with a augmented reality device. Let's serve them, you know, um, you know, visual effect A and B, you know, advertisement X and Y, uh-huh. uh, and then, you know, give them the one, two, and three, right, uh, when they... Uh, when he gets to the corner of that office, for example, right? So, so that, that's, that's essentially how the Internet of Things uh, and, um, you know, AR uh, will ultimately work. Right, right. Sheila, let's, let's talk a little bit more about the Internet of Things for my audience. You know, I'm thinking about my refrigerator talking to me or um, all the things, that my wearables. Let's talk a little bit more about the Internet of Things and maybe how, how you know, some more examples of augmented reality and the Internet of Things. If you could do that, Sheila. Yeah, of course. So one thing that I had mentioned earlier is uh, Yelp's monocle app, which uh, feature, which kind of allows you to um, go into the Yelp app and see the streets um, in real life as you would without a phone. And it creates a, a visual overlay on this um, on this map scene showing you where um, restaurants nearby are and how many stars they might have. And, you know, from there you can kind of click on it. Right. And it'll route you there rather than kind of just seeing it in a list form, uh, which is not as interactive and it's a little bit more difficult to tell um, where relative to your position and your uh, direction that you're facing, where some of these restaurants or restaurants stations or cafes might actually be. So um, having the augmented reality included or um, supplementing essentially the Internet of Things kind of helps bring the the data that's being collected, um, as Mark said, in this web, um, bring it more to real life and make it a little bit more, um, create more utility, essentially. Right. And for someone like me who would get lost, it's great because I can say, oh, here I am and I can... You know, I can really visualize it because it's right there in front of me. And it's, exactly. uh, yeah, no, it's great. Um, also, Sheila, tell us about all the big brouhaha with uh, with Pokemon <laughs> Go and AR and all the privacy concerns that people have been talking about. Yeah, so Pokemon Go essentially uses um, your location, the street maps, um, that kind of real-time information and um, the digital content, the augmented reality that's based on top of it is the this world of, of, of Pokemon where, you know, Pokemon can appear kind of what looks like on your street corner now. Um, and so it kind of takes the game outside of the, you know, digital Nintendo 
Game Boy type scenario and puts it places the Pokemon in your real life, essentially, from what you can see on your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the privacy concerns that have been expressed are essentially uh, relate to what kind of location information is being collected for each of the users. Um, Especially, I would think, with children, right? Exactly, yeah, and getting consent um, for uh, for children to use the app and, you know, collection of the information is, consent to collection of the information has also been important as well. So um, a, a lot of privacy concerns can potentially be implicated, I think, when you're using your, your real-time data and kind of playing a game like that that's kind of enticing a lot more people to participate and um, kind of give their location data. Yeah, and I would think that could be a possible criminal, you know, problem because you might have somebody seeing where these, you know, they can access or hack into it and see where these children are. And what if you've got child molesters? Has that been a real issue or is that a big concern? Um, there have been a couple um, reported incidents uh, about, so within the game, you can purchase what are called lures, which essentially bring Pokemon out. Um, there have been uh, scenarios where criminals or, you know, the bad guys out there are using these lures to attract Pokemon, which attract other people there. Um, there have been stories about people getting robbed or people getting lured into alleys. Um, there have even been reports about uh, violence. Uh, not just robbery. Um, so, yeah, there are, there are concerns about, about that. What kind of liability um, would there be then for the company that, that created this, that they were not, you know, foreseeing this kind of a thing? What kind of issues would that would arise? I think the first place to start is likely in their terms and conditions of what people are agreeing to when they mm-hmm. are playing this game. Um, so essentially, it's it's a platform, and people are choosing to use the platform um, in whatever kind of way they're, they're deciding to. So it's similar kind of to a Craigslist scenario, right, where Craigslist is providing a platform, and whether people decide to use uh, the services that are offered in a criminal way is, is, not, you know, is not necessarily um, incumbent upon the, the company to mm-hmm. deal with. Right. So kids under the age of 18... Um, who would use this, would they have that, um, would they be held to the same standard that an adult would be using this this uh, game? Sorry, this is Mark. Uh, that's an interesting question, Marie. Um, you know, I don't recall looking at the terms and uh, conditions and seeing that uh, children under the age uh, of 13 would be permitted to play it. Uh, actually, it's interesting because when I actually uh, see people at the park playing, kids at the park playing, it looks like they're actually using their parents' phones. Right. So <laughs> I've already it, seen so them doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think I think the game was was you know intentionally trying to kind of avoid this liability issue in which you're talking about by. Um, you know, trying to limit the audience or the users that be using their game. Uh, but that's an interesting question, you know. Um, you know, I mean, uh, obviously, you know, every, uh, every contraption, whether it be a device or software, is uh, susceptible to abuse. And, you know, whether any legal liability, uh, you know, insinuates from it, that's, you know, that's often an area of open debate. And, and I think you're going to see a lot of litigation in this area. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, like in the cybersecurity and the data privacy uh, arena, you're kind of already seeing that, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, there's cases regarding 
you know, whether or not software that has, uh, you know, cyber vulnerabilities, whether or not there's product liability uh, claims that may arise from that. Uh, there, you know, there's cases now regarding, um, you know, whether or not, um, you know, software devices which were designed to intercept, you know, private conversations, mm-hmm. right, whether or not the manufacturers should bear uh, liability for that. Uh, in fact, there was one decision that actually came out today on that topic uh, on a motion to dismiss. Um, but, you know, I, I've been going off topic. Um, but, you know, I mean, even, uh, you know, however, however it goes, I mean, you and I know that that's probably going to be heavily debated, uh, you know, the next few years with, you know, wins and losses, you know, going both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's a good answer to this, you yeah. know. Um, you know, augmented reality, uh, it's so new, right? Like, how how would anybody who have any laws that might apply to that have contemplated, you know, how it might have been used? I mean, right. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, even even at my generation, like Maria, I have to tell you, like, you know, I, I watch that. I mean, I'm, I look at it and I think, gosh, you know, like, um, you know, forget, like, you know, like uh, Blade Runner, like, you know, like, let's just talk about Minority Report, right? Like, do people even think that this is going to come into play until, like, 50 years later when they made Minority Report, you know, yeah. when in fact, you know, you're, you're looking at Minority Report now, and you're right. like, geez, you know, that was like 10 years ago, and like, we're about, well, like, we have that now, right? right. It's not, not as wide, like, remember like all those automated cars, right? Like those, uh, yes. those holographic interfaces, right? Those holographic UIs, like, yeah. that, that's here, like, that's now, right? Yeah. So, I, I don't know, I, I don't, you know. Not trying to intentionally dodge the question. I just think that. No, that, that, uh, who you know, knows? However, I answered it. Yeah, right? Who knows? Right? Who knows? And you know, the technology. I mean, the laws cannot keep up with the you know instant <laughs> changes in technology. There's just no way. But let's talk a little bit about that, Mark. What are some of the existing legislation that might affect all this? Yeah, so this is a uh, this is a uh, interesting uh, question because I, I think uh, some of the most hotly debated cases right now is in the the VPPA area, you know, Video Privacy Protection Act, which you know you and I know that back in the heyday, this was ultimately passed to prevent people from basically snooping on each other's uh, you know video rental preferences over at Blockbuster, right? right. Uh, Blockbuster doesn't even know, exist anymore, Berkeley, I don't think. Right, <laughs> right, right. But but now but now they're trying to you know, apply that to, you know, um, uh, to video games uh, and also to, you know, there was a recent case filed against Snapchat for the Snapchat filters, right, the facial filters, um, and, and as more augmented reality games like Pokemon come, right, I presume that you're going to get more, even more cases trying to stretch the VPPA to that. Um, obviously, you see decisions going both ways in terms of, like, you know, um, you know, whether or not, uh, you know, the VPPA controls in some situations versus versus others. There's various splits and circuits on different issues, uh, but that's one, right? Uh, there's also, you know, some statutes, um, you know, such uh, such as those in the, uh, Illinois, um, at the BIPA, uh, what is it, the Biometric Information Protection Act? I think I have the acronym right, uh, which, uh, you know, it, it doesn't doesn't control um, you know the, the the various use and uh, ways you can play around with photographs, but you know there's some debate as to you know it's regulation of biometrics and whether or not you know your facial structure uh, or other things which might cue off you know who you are 
um, you know, in other words, you know, like how far your nose is from your eyebrows, right? Like, uh, you know, the, the way your face is put together. Right. So not necessarily a photograph, but they called it, you know, whether or not that's a biometric identifier. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's cases out that, you know, with that in dispute. Um, all, I mean, all of this stuff, right? I mean, it's obviously going to potentially plays into, you know, augmented reality, which, you know, obviously needs... Uh, you know, data relating to people's faces, to, um, you know, to, uh, you know, um, things that are, uh, you know, videos that may be streamed in and streamed out, you know, h- how that is recorded, how that is tracked, right, how that plays into the various devices st- surrounding you, you know, once, you know, what if you're, what if you're, um, you know, what if you're, uh, visual input device, right, is manufactured by one company, but the uh, the machine giving the cues, you know, to that visual device externally is made by another company. You know, does the sharing of that for the input of video, right, is that controlled by the VPPA, right? But those are questions which are which are out there, and there's no there's no law clarifying which way that's going to fall. Um, you know, you have legislation. Uh, you know, like that, not just, uh, you know, with the VPBA on the federal level, but also, you know, for the BIPA, uh, which I know has a mirror uh, statute in Texas, although it's very, you know, it's, it's, it's somewhat different. And there's also a statute um, in Michigan, which I can't quite remember right now what is the, the acronym for that, but that, that essentially kind of like mirrors the VPPA on the state level for Michigan. So what are the courts doing with all this? I mean, that's got to be really tough on a judge to kind of figure all this stuff out. And I wonder how much the judges really understand some of these games if they probably never played these games. You know, so is there case law that's kind of showing us the way that the courts are going to treat the um, the privacy expectations in augmented reality? Oh, Marie, I'm not. I'm not gonna, you know, uh, get myself, uh, you know, blacklisted or <laughs> so in front of judges who might be listening. Right, right. You know, but 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 uh, but like, I mean, I, I think the answer to that is is you know dodging the question a little bit instead of talking about the courts and the judges. Let's just talk about the law, right? Which is that yeah. none of these laws, when they were passed, right, contemplated the technologies in which we were talking about. Uh, because if if the the law the lawmakers would have contemplated them, let's just say that they probably would have, you know, spent their time becoming billionaires in their own right by coming up with the technology yeah. and becoming the CEOs of these companies, right? Instead of writing, you know, the the, the laws. But you know, was it the intent of the legislatures to like you know to cover uh, things of that nature which may arise in the future? I I, I think that's where you know, a lot of the debate is getting kind of, like, spent on. Um, and the courts are obviously coming in kind of, like, in, you know, in, in different directions kind of on this. Uh, even if a company loses on a motion to dismiss, you know, whether or not, for example, um, you know, is a facial rec- recognition technology, is that covered by BIPA, right? Um, uh, Illinois' BIPA, the, the Biometric Information Protection Act. Even if they lose on a motion to dismiss, that in itself is not necessarily adjudication on the merits of the case, right? Right, right? So, you know, we ha- we we have a lot of um, uh, opinions, you know, on at the pleading stage, but but nobody's really, you know, truly taken it to to a level where we have a definitive, you know, like across all circuits kind of opinion where we know which way it's going to land. Um, 
and that's ultimately what keeps, you know, professional like privacy professionals like you guys, guys busy. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. Well, you know what I think is really fascinating is that the companies themselves that have all of these technologists and these techie people to create it, they're the ones that really have the ability if they think about if they stop and think about privacy by design and and think ahead of time. And this is what, you know, for so many years the the Federal Trade Commission has been talking about privacy design by design build into the architecture of the service and the pro and the product, you know, all these privacy and security protections ahead of time. And um, because I think the judges and many of the lawyers, you know, that isn't their expertise. And I think it's uh, or, or the legislators expertise, they have to have somebody help them. So that's the problem. Don't you think that's part of it is that the, the technology yeah. people have all this, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's definitely a problem. But, but the problem that I, I feel like is multi-layered, right? So, so take, for example, like, you know, the recent outcry from, from companies and from publishers, right? And when I say companies and publishers, let's take the example of like New York Times, right? Who obviously they provide a lot of free content, you know, online. And, and I, I read the New York Times, you know, quite often. Uh, you know, do I always necessarily pay for it? No. Um, you know, when they provide free forums, like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll read the free articles, right? But one of their complaints recently has been there's been so many ad blockers that have been installed by users that they mm. actually can serve ads. And, and their complaint is that um, when, when they serve ads for free content, that's the only way in which they keep the free content alive, right, right? Right, right. So when you kind of look at it from that perspective, you're like, I get it, right? I get it. Okay, but on the other hand, I have to tell you, like, as a user and as a fan of New York Times, when I get those pop-ups, like, being interjected <laughs> in my user experience, I'm deathly, like, I'm just deathly annoyed, right? Because yeah. I'm just like, yeah. oh, my gosh, like, stop. Like, you're interrupting one of my flow, right? <laughs> you know I don't really care to buy some shampoo, you know? <laughs> um, right. but, but going back to your idea of this, this privacy by design issue, I, I, think, I, think, I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head insofar as I think a lot of people don't truly understand technology, including the people who are actually, you know, not only making decisions and making the rulings, but the people using t the technologies. Right, right. So I don't know. I don't. I don't know if privacy by design is going to be the whole solution. Although I no. think it's an important part of the solution. Right. But, but, the, but the problem is, is that even when you have so, so for example, right, like like many people don't know that when you're on iOS. Uh, or you're using an iPhone, you have a way of kind of like resetting uh, some of the ad identifiers, you know, that people, uh, that developers on iOS might use in order to target you, right? Mm -hmm. um, is that is that privacy by design? Absolutely, right? But but is it well used? I, I can almost guarantee you that, you know, uh, no offense to, you know, the, the, the audience. No, <laughs> but no. I, would highly, yeah. I, I would highly doubt that more than, more than 90, uh, any, anything more than 5% of the people listening into the radio show would, would have known that there was such a thing within iOS and even if they had known that, right, they would actually use that. So, I mean, can you can you blame the companies for, um, you know, uh, trying to optimize, you know, the efficiency of serving yeah. data? Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I have very conflicted feelings about that. And, and part of me also has kind of like uh, the, the invisible hand idea in me, which is that, like, like, hopefully, you know, like virtual reality, augmented reality, 
Um, that's not only proof of American ingenuity, but it's also proof of an American economic model, right? What's the American economic model? Which is that, you know, uh, we we try to lo- we try to let businesses push as much as they can in terms of uh, bringing about technologies, innovation, and a, and a better quality of life, right? right. And in right. turn, have them improve the efficiency. And, and, and the, the, the proper serving of, of ads, advertisement, and, and necessary services is part of that. But then where do you define the line, right? Like, like what's, what's a reasonable invitation versus a har- harassing solicitation? Uh, that ultimately, like you said, Maria, I think the really law that falls not only on the consumers, but the people who are making the policies. And like you said, people aren't taking the time to understand technology. So... I don't know. I mean, it's 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 a tough policy that maybe it just it would just take a generation for people to kind of catch up. You know. Well, we're um, going to have to have you back idea. on because we are out of time. So very interesting. <laughs> but I want to thank both of you, um, Sheila. You wonderful, Sheila Pham and Mark Ma, and we will have you back again. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. 